Father, we thank you this morning, Lord, that, Lord, all fear, all depression, and all that we could put under the name of Jesus. We could put that and allow your, your spirit to work inside of us. Allow the word of God to work inside of us. Allow peace to reign in our hearts when it doesn't look like there's any peace. When it doesn't look like there's any way out of the situation you're in. Lord, we just, we learn to turn it over to you. Not listen to the voices that surround us to say it can't be done. Not listen to the voices that speak fear, doubt, and confusion into our hearts and into our minds. But Lord, we know that you're inside, you're there working every part, every part of the way. And we thank you for that. So Father, we thank you this morning. Hallelujah. That you are the way, the truth, and the life. And when we put our trust in you, Lord Jesus, we know that you will come through for us. You will take that place that we're at and you'll bring us through it. And we can praise you all the way through. We thank you and praise you, God. Father, just let your anointing be upon your word this morning. Let your spirit reign through. Let the words that come out of my mouth be the words that you would have me to speak. And that I wouldn't speak anything amiss or aside from what you would have me to say. And I thank you and praise you, Father. And Lord Jesus, we just give you all the praise and all the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You may be seated, and we just want to welcome everybody this morning. And we have some that are out, some that are dealing with some things. But we just thank the Lord that he is touching their hearts and their lives. And those who are watching online, we just want to praise God for all that he is doing and all that he has in store for us. This week, we're going to start a series, and it's called Psalms for All Seasons. And you know, the book of Psalms is it's kind of divided in all kinds of parts, but we're going to be focusing mostly on the songs. You know, David wrote a lot of it, of, of the, the Psalms, and, and David, according to God, David was a man after his own heart. Even though he did some crazy things, right? He did some things that were like, oh, man. But you know what? God said he's a man after my own heart because he was willing to go to God and said, you know what, Lord, I messed up, but I ask you to forgive me. And that's what it takes. You know, um, God's word is full of promises. And God's word in my life and in all our lives should, those who are Christians can realize how much the Bible has impacted our lives. When I think about how much it has changed my life from where I used to be to where I am now and how God has just, through the, the ages, through the times, has, has brought me closer and closer to him and has brought me into the place that I am today. You know, um, and the Bible's promises are offered to us that will read the word and live it out. It's not just, oh, there's promises and we'll just write them here, we'll sit there. No, we have to read them, we have to study them. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. 
And then we have to live it out. You know, people can just say about anything, right? But when you see their lives and you watch their lives and you see them walking it out, you know that it's real. It's real for them. It's real for you. It's real for me. And, you know, some of the promises that God gives us in his word is a longer life. Right? One of the promises is honor your father and mother and live long upon the earth. It offers us prosperity, happiness, success, peace, wisdom, hope, encouragement, guidance, equips us for life, and it transforms us. It changes us. So the Bible says, and we'll talk about that again in a few minutes, that um, when we read the Word, when we read the Bible and we live it out, it increases our happiness. How many people like to be happy, right? You like to be happy. You like to be full of joy. You like to, to not always be down and out, right? And there, you know, you've been around some people that are always down and out. And, and, and when you get around that person, you're like, you know, I, do I have to go over there and speak to them, Lord? Because I don't want that jumping off on me. And, you know, it's, it's, it's those of us who trust his word, read his word, stay in his word, and live it out. No, you know, the hardest time to do it is when things aren't going the way you'd like for them to go, right? You're like, but you got to keep on course, right? You got to keep your eyes on him, focused on God, and knowing that he's going to bring you through it. And that's what makes those things a little bit easier, right? You know, my favorite scripture, John 16, 33. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. So that's a promise from, from God, from Jesus. So this week, we're going to start in Psalms 1. And over the next few weeks, we'll go to different Psalms. But Psalms 1 kind of gives us a depiction of what pure happiness is. Pure happiness. You say, well, what does that mean? Pure happiness is the happiness that God gives. Amen? Not that the world gives. So the, the, the Psalms is it's, it's a book for all seasons, as we said, and it speaks to every area and every season of our life. I read this statement. It's, it's a collection of praise and anguish, joy and sadness, triumph and, and defeat, written by many different authors in many different situations and seasons. It's truly a new book. But this morning we're going to be studying happiness, how we can have happiness. And in Psalms 1, it just lays out a foundation for righteous living and for having a consistent and a blessed life. And that includes, and I want to stress on daily Bible reading. Daily reading the Scripture. It's very important that that's a part of your life. You can't just come on Sunday morning and hear a little Bible and hear a little praise and worship, and then that's going to carry me out through the week. Because it takes more than that. If this is the only day you do that and you wonder why things are so up and down, it's because you're not on a daily basis reading the Word and praising God. So I'm going to start and read, read the Psalms 1 through 6. 
And I'm reading out of the, 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 the century, I mean the Christian Standard Bible, excuse me. Happy, how happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers? Now, I want to say something about happiness. The definition for happiness is a state of well-being and contentment. Well-being and contentment. So, so well-being means you're doing good, and contentment is you're content in, in Christ. Content in God. You're content in his word. Even though all kinds of crazy things are going on, you're content in him. You, you're not changed, and you're not thrown up and down by him. And then in verse 2, it goes on. It says, instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment for sinners nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. He watches over the way of the righteous. So basically what this Psalms warned, the promise in it is, if you want to be happier, read the book. Read the book, right? And I talk about this book. Read the book. If you want to be happier, read the book every day, day and night. When you get up, before you go to bed, and all you can in between, right? We need to step anything you want to grow. If we want to grow, we need a steady diet, right? And, you know, we humans are good at that steady diet. You know, like me, it's probably a little too steady. <laughs> but we're going to make sure we're going to eat some food, right? You know, that there's a, an old saying, they used to say, feed them and they'll come. Well, it's true. When you're having a feeding, everybody comes, right? If you want to bear fruit in season, read the book. If you want to be a fruit bearer, read the book. And I'll talk about that later, but plant yourself beside the flowing stream. And that's God and his word. See, it's a book for all seasons. Because if you read it regularly, there'll be a flowing stream all the time. Right? All the time. You got that flowing stream that's running through you. And if you do that, you'll never lack the life-giving water from the Lord, from the Spirit that enables you to flourish and bear fruit. Now, if I plant, and y'all just pray for me. I think the planting is getting almost over. But if you know Miss Peggy, she loves to plant flowers. And we planted flowers and flowers and more flowers yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> and um, but you know what you could plant flowers here and flowers there water these and don't water these which ones are going to flourish 
The ones that get water. I have to have timers because they have to have a certain amount of water. And they come on every day and, and water, and I don't have to go out there and figure it out. It, it does it. And then most times she's like, you got to set the timer for longer. You know, I want to save water all I can. So it's whatever you feed is going to flourish. Whatever you water is going to flourish versus that that don't. Listen to this statement. If you study God's word regularly, you'll never lack the life-giving water that enables you to flourish and bear fruit. I wanted you to hear that this morning. What enables you to flourish and bear fruit? Studying God's word on a regular basis. Not a hit and miss, not a once a week, not a twice a week, but every day. You know, every day, I'm, I know, you, I'm sure that every day you can make some time to get into God's word. Right? And it's, it's harder to do now than it was when 30 years ago because of all these electronic things. Because there's so much to occupy your time. And I'm guilty sometimes too. I got fussed at yesterday because we were, anyway. And I was trying to check something out. And I got in trouble. I won't say with who. So we got to study God's Word regularly, right? You know, I don't know why I'm injecting this, but I want to say something. You, in all that, you got to be true to who God has made you. You know, you've got to be real. And if there's something in my life I try to be is real, what you see is what you get. And if you ever see me doing something different, call me to the side. And I love this statement. It came out of some of the studying because I got a little study thing for this. It says, more Bible, less binge watching. How many people are guilty of binge watching every once in a while? Get that little streamer thing on and we're going to watch all the um, Andy Griffith shows. I'll just put that out of there. Or all the this shows and we're going to binge them out. And you sit there for hours just watching them. And if Peggy's watching them, she'd be eating popcorn. More Bible, less binge watching. More scripture, less screens. Wow. So we got to get more of the word in us. Amen? And let the, the other things be less. I'm not saying you can't ever do those things, but I'm saying that studying God, being in the word needs to be more. So Psalms 1, I'm going to try to take this kind of verse by verse. It says, how happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. So in this, we're going to learn the secret to happiness. How many wants to know the secret to happiness? Happy people do three things. They walk, they stand, and they sit. You say, what? They walk, they stand, and they sit. And it's a progression Right? You know, think about it, and I'll talk about it a little bit later, but you walk for a while, and then you kind of stop and stand because you got to rest, and then you sit down and rest. Or you're in the place that you, want, you, should, you were looking for to start with, you were walking to to start with. So first part of it is walking. 
The secret to happiness is walking. And the definition, you know, walking is basically decisions. It's how we do what we do. That's our walk. You know, you used to say don't talk the talk if you're not going to walk the walk. In other words, don't just talk it, but walk it. You got to walk a certain way. You got to make certain right decisions, right? And that walking that you do, that 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 journey that you do as a Christian, you're walking. You are making decisions all day long. You know, today we have to make a lot of decisions. If you drive anywhere around Charlotte, especially on 485 or 77 or 85, you better be ready to make decisions instantly, right? Sometimes Peggy doesn't like to drive up here a lot, and so we'll be coming up through here, and she's like, what are you doing? I said, just, I'm trying to keep from getting run over. Got to make decisions, and you got to make them fast sometimes. So the, the word walk, you know, I like to get definitions. So the definition of the word walk is to pursue a course of action or a way of life. So our walk is a way of life, right? It's the way we live, the way we conduct oneself, or the way you behave. Your walk is how you conduct yourself. Your walk is how you behave, how you act. You're pursuing a course of action. Your walk is what you do and how you do it. And it's very important that you do it and you do it the right way, right? Walking's all about where, where we live. And I'm not talking about physically. Where we live mentally, emotionally, and relationally. Excuse me. It's how you live, it's how you think, it's how you believe. That's what your walk is. It's how you live, it's how you think, it's how you believe. That's your walk. That's what you do on a daily basis. How you walk determines what happens when you get to where you're going, right? How you walk determines on what happens when you get there. Your course from here to here determines that how you get there you know after you walk for a while as we said after you walk for a little while you usually kind of get to where you're going right hopefully (laughs) you get to where you're going and when you do you stop walking and you stand there if you're walking to get to the next block or whatever or you walk in to get to the lake or a pond or to, to go fishing when you get there you stop and you stand and you get ready so the next thing is walking standing standing is a commitment it's what you're committed to the word stand means to have or maintain a relative position in or as if in a graded scale so what standing is 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 um, basically a commitment that we make to a cause. As Christians, our stand, our commitment. This is where we. This is how we are. This is our position. This is what we believe. This is where we, our position is. And it doesn't matter what anybody says. And nowadays, nowadays it's, it's you know it's all about everything else. 
in our position, it's very important that we, we, we know that we walk that right way so when we get to the place where we have to stand and we have to make that commitment that we can do it effectively and we don't waver. We don't, we're not wavered by what everybody else thinks about the way we stand. Well, you're just too strict or you just don't, you, you just don't know. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. A stand is it's the kind of thinking that you adopt. It's the kind of thinking that you adopt. You can say things, but if you're really not walking the walk and you're not walking it right, when you get to that place, you can say this is my commitment or this is my stand, but if something else comes along, the wind blows a little too hard, you lose that stance, Right? I like what it says in Psalms 40. He set my feet upon a rock and he established my goings. <laughs> he, set, he set my feet upon a rock and he established my goings. And that's why we have to be in the word. We have to learn the goings that he's established for us. That's why we have to be in constant uh, communication with him so we know what the goings are that he established for us we just don't walk around like crazy people what i mean is we just don't walk around not thinking just doing whatever oh whatever comes on we'll do it whatever comes my way i'll do it well no you need to be established in your goings you need to know and and, and your stance is the way you choose to see life you see it through the eyes of the word do you see it through the eyes of jesus or do you see it through something else or some show that you watch or some dude that talks craziness sorry how do you see it what, what do you what, what is your life you you make decisions that's walking you make decisions you make decisions and you got you only make the right decisions when you're full of the word and it come, the word will come out of you. Whatever is in you is going to come out, right? Whatever's in you is going to come out. And the decisions you, you make, that, that's your standing. That's what you stand for. That's how you stand. And when you stop somewhere, in other words... You never really stop. But what I'm saying is when you get to that place where you know your stance is what it's supposed to be, then that's where you live. You live in that stance. This is who I am. And people will know it. Whether they like it or not, they know what you stand for. And they know who you are. And they know what, if they approach you about something, they know what's going to come out. That's why some people hopefully like to come to you and say, you know, what do you think about this situation? What would you do? And I say, if you don't want to know, don't ask. That's why you've heard me say a lot of times, God ought to be, needs to be in every decision you make. You buy a car, you buy this, you do whatever. You need to know that's what God wants you to do. 
You don't go by the cost of it or not the cost of it or whatever. You go by what God says to do, right? And you make a stance. And when you stood somewhere long enough, you need to sit down. Right? And sitting is an attitude of the heart. Sitting is an attitude of the heart. The word sit means to maintain one's position without change. When the attitude of the heart is right, you can maintain your position, you can maintain your stance, you can maintain what you believe without change. In other words, when I say sit, you're comfortable in the stance that you have and you have established. You're comfortable enough to where nothing's going to change you from that. You've become to the place where, you know what? Amen. You know what? I'm comfortable in what I believe. Nothing's worse than you not being comfortable in what you believe or what you say you believe. And then when, because people can detect that just like that. People can change your mind just like that when you're in that position. You need to be settled, rested in what you believe. Let me re- I'm going to read Psalms 1-1 again. It says, How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mark- uh, mockers. So w- w- what's going on here? A happy person, a person that is full of the, the happiness of God, you don't make decisions under the influence of the wicked. You don't make decisions under the influence of those people who are contrary. They think contrary to God. They think contrary to what the Word says. When you're, when you're happy or comfortable, when you're, when you're in that place, that, you know what? I, I, I'm excited about who God has made me. I'm excited about what I believe. I'm happy with what I believe. It makes me full of joy. So when it's like that, no matter what comes your way, the the wicked can come and say this, but you're comfortable in it. You're happy. So you're not going to change my mind, right? A, A happy person does not align up, doesn't line up with causes or priorities that don't line up with the Word of God. I, I can't line up with that. Oh, let's do it. No, I can't do it that way. I'm sorry. I'm not really sorry, but you know what I mean by when I'm saying I'm sorry. I can't do it that way because I know that's against what God's Word said. I know that's against who I am, so I'm not doing it that way. And a happy person or a person who is full of God, you don't, you don't allow your attitude to be influenced by people who mock God or maybe even mock you. It says, what is it saying there? Walk in advice of the wicked. We don't listen to what their advice is because it's not right, right? 
We don't stand in the pathway with sinners. We don't stand in what they believe. Our stance is not in what they say. Our stance is not in according to who they are or what they might think, right? Or we don't sit in the company of mockers. We don't, it's not, it doesn't bother us. We don't let our, what we believe, we don't let the way we act, we don't let our attitude be influenced by those. We want to walk in what God has for us. Verse 2 says in Psalms 1, it says, Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it, what? Day and night. You delight in what God, you like God's word, right? I delight in what he says. I delight in this. I have, I take pleasure in God's word. It's, it makes me happy. I, you know, we look forward to hearing God's word in church, right? We look forward to coming and hearing a message about God's word and, and the insight that God can bring to us. Reading his word at home. We should enjoy, that should be a delight to us. That should be something we love to do. We love to hear God's word, to read God's word, and we also love to learn and live by those things. We need to love God's words. Amen? We need have happy people delight in God's words. And then next, we meditate on it. In the Hebrew, the word meditate means to think deeply about God's word. Instead of just skimming over the word, well, I've read my 10 verses for the day. And it's just like, when you read the word, you ought to ask three questions. Why did God say this? Don't you love when your little kids get about three or four or five years old and they start going, what well, you say, what do you do? Why? You remember the why stages? Those are those you may be in the middle of the why stages. Why, Daddy? Why, Mommy? Why, why, why? You can't say anything without getting that question. Well, ask God. He, he loves you to ask why. You know, they learn by that. Well, do you think at the time you really want them, you want them to learn to stop? But they're learning. They want to know why because they want to know why. Then the next question ought to be, what, what does God mean by this? Why did he say it? What does he mean by it? And then the last one's the best one. What am I supposed to do about it? <laughs> God, I read this word, now what am I supposed to do about it? Usually the word will instruct you in that, but if not, you better be listening to hear what God says about it. And in meditating, he also put in here, think day and night. When should you meditate? All the time. Day and night just doesn't mean morning and before you go to bed, it means all the time. And you know what? Our minds are set up to um, not just when you get up, not just before you go to bed, but our minds, we can think more than one thing, right? 
It's called multitasking, and some of us do too much multitasking. But I think that we can meditate on the Word of God all the time. In other words, we can, whatever we're doing, we can think about what God's Word, especially when we're in a situation or we're in work and we need to, you know, I told you before when I used to do service work, I'd be working on heat and air, and I could not figure it out. And sometimes I learned to do it before I ever started. But, you know, when you're on top of a building and you don't like heights and you just had to climb a ladder 30 feet with all this stuff in your hands and you're just kind of like. And then you get up on these buildings, got the white stuff on it, and it's in the middle of the summer and it's so hot you can't even, you got to have sunglasses on to be able to see. And you go up there and you can't figure it out. And I said, Lord, you, I, I know I remember one in particular. I said, Lord, you, you just got to show me what's wrong. And it wasn't two minutes or less. And there was the wire that was loose that I couldn't figure out before then. Easy thing. But, you know, sometimes we look. The best thing to do in doing is figuring stuff out is check the easiest things first. Because a lot of times that's what it is. But when you try to look at the hard stuff and then go backwards, it's not fun. I want to re I tell you, there was a, uh, the American Bible Society did a, released a, a report, I'll just read it, based on a national survey they did during the middle of the pandemic. Here's what they found. All people experience hurt in the midst of, of these difficulties, though the Bible and the church make a critical difference. It says, when people turn to the Bible, they are better able to cope and they experience higher levels of hope and flourishing, and they are better able to forgive. Isn't that crazy? Not crazy, but isn't that great? Those relying on Scripture at greater than average levels also experience the highest levels of hope. During this whole thing, the highest levels of hope. Scripture engagement is significantly related to evidence of forgiveness. The more Scripture engaged someone is, the more likely they are able to forgive others, which in turn makes them happier people. I thought that was interesting. You can, you, you, make them happier people. Learning to forgive. And the third verse in the Psalms there, it says, He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears fruit its fruit in this its season and its leaf does not wither whatever he does prospers you know in israel the climate in israel is a lot like california it's 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 dry there's not a whole lot of rain but there are trees all over the place and there's not a steady source of water there but the pre the trees that are planted by the river Let's say it that way. They're constantly being watered and nourished, and those are the ones that are the biggest. So look, you ever been just walking through somewhere and you notice all of a sudden the trees are just bigger, and you look and they're they're right beside of a creek or a river or or something like that, because they're constantly watered and nourished. They've got their, you know what they had to do? They had to grow their roots down there and get it. But if they're out in the middle of nothing, the middle of the desert. If you ever been out west and been out in the middle of the desert, you won't see many trees, right? What is it? They call them the um, Joshua trees that you see out there. First time Peggy and I went out there, we were 
in an airplane flying. We go across, and she said, it looks like a desert down there. I said, it is. <laughs> and one time I was coming back from, I think, Oklahoma or somewhere like that, and I was flying back, and as soon as we landed in Charlotte, you know how people can get their phones out as soon as they land. We all get our phones out. We're here. We just landed. She gets on the phone. She said, honey, you would not believe it. He said, what? She said, there are green trees everywhere. There's grass everywhere. It's just beautiful. Well, she had evidently been living out in the desert all her life and never seen it like that all the time. She was just so excited. And I just sitting there, I thought, wow. Tree, anything that grows needs a steady source of water, right? We need a steady source of what? Water. You know what they say these days? Hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. When we go to Nicaragua in a couple of weeks, we need water. Because you sweat a lot of water out. A lot. Especially if you're doing anything other than just sitting. And that's, you still sweat a lot then, don't you? So if you, if you plant yourself by the stream, by the Word of God, guess what? You're going to be watered and nourished. And nourishment basically is it's just food. Nourishment is food. Do you know what the most important organ in your body is the brain? Without the brain, you can't do anything, right? It does all your thinking. Did you know pound for pound, your brain consumes more calories than any other organ in your body? It's constantly working, and it constantly needs what? Feeding. So it's got to suck up those calories. And your brain is small. It only makes up like 2% of your body mass, and it says that it consumes 20% of your calories. So if you free, feed your brain on the Word of God morning and night, it's like planting it next to a stream. And it's receiving all the nourishment that it needs. And when you're constantly giving your brain the right nourishment and the right amount, you're going to be able to make better decisions. And you're going to be, a, and it will make you prosper. You know, Joshua, in Joshua 8, it says, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. One of the definitions of prosper is to become strong and flourishing. You want to get strong and flourishing, you've got to feed on the right stuff. Right? You want, you, the things you want to do, you want to feed on the right stuff. You want to exercise with the right stuff. In Psalms, the fourth verse in the Psalms 1, 4 through 6 says, The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Now, how many of you know what chaff is? You know, it's, it's the, I'll give you a little bit of definition and I'll tell you a little story. It's the papery part of the wheat stock that's worthless. It's the wrapping paper around the grain put there to protect it. Once the wheat is ready to eat, the chaff isn't needed anymore. So the farmer throws it up in the air and lets the wind take it away. When I was in 1988, when I was in Africa, we, we stayed out in the bush, 
And we went, these people ate a lot of rice. Well, they did the same thing with the rice. And we got to watch them, and somewhere, who knows where, probably under my bed or somewhere, I have some pictures. And these ladies would have, you know, I almost moved to Africa because the women did all the work, so I tried to get Peggy to go there because <laughs> the guys laid around in the hammocks most of the time, and the women did all the work. And I was like, this is crazy. And you could buy the land at that time for a dollar an acre. So I said, I'm going to buy 100 acres, and we're going to move there. But you see, it didn't happen. But... <laughs> They had these big things. They put the rice in, and they go, whoosh. and you could see when the wind blowing. You could see all that chaff blowing away, and they keep doing it until there wasn't any left. It was just really neat, with just an explanation of this. And so I got to watch them do that. So it says, "They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment, nor sinners in." nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. You know why the way of the wicked leads to ruin? Because they're unhappy. They don't have that peace that we have. They don't have that word of God inside them. They don't have an anchor of truth. And they don't have the right fellowship. Fellowship's important. That's why it's good we come together and we fellowship with one another. But the way of the wicked leads to ruin. The Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. They also don't have God watching after them. He says he watches over the way of the right, righteous, those who are Christian. So today, as we talked about this pure happiness and how, how that we are happy because we are blessed, we are happy because we walk in the way of the Lord. We study. We show ourselves to prove. I want to read this Psalms 1, 1 through 6 in the Amplified, what they call the Amplified Classic, because they got a new one out now, but this is the older one. It says, blessed, happy, fortunate, prosperous, and enviable is the man who walks and lives not in the counsel of the ungodly, not following their advice, their plans, and purposes, nor stands submissive and inactive in the path where sinners walk. Think, listen to that, submissive and inactive. They're not submissive to what the wicked would put on them, and if they um, and they're not inactive in the path where sinners walk, nor sits down to relax and rest where the scornful and the mockers gather. They don't. They know where to sit. They know where to stand. They know where to walk. But his delight and desire in the law of the Lord and on his law, the precepts, the instructions, the teachings of God, he habitually meditates, ponders and studies by day and by night. He habitually, it's a habit. Anything, you know, they say anything you do for 21 days, you can create a habit. And if you create a habit of just watching TV for 21 days, that's what you're going to do. If, but if you create a habit of reading God's word, that's what you're going to do. I just got to do that. Got to do that. And he shall be like a tree firmly planted and tended by the streams of water, ready to bring forth its fruit in 
its season. If its leaf also shall not fade or wither, and everything he does shall prosper and come to maturity. Not so the, everything he does will come to maturity. Not so the wicked, those disobedient and living without God are not so, but they are like the chaff, worthless, dead, without substance, which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked, those disobedient and living without God shall not stand justified in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, those who are upright and in right standing with God. For the Lord knows and is fully acquainted with the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly, those living outside God's will, shall perish, end in ruin, and come to naught. Wow. So what we need to do out of this is we need to learn what God's happiness is. I want to encourage you to take the notes that are out there or click it on the QR code and let it download to your phone and and go over this. You can go back online probably tomorrow or Tuesday and you can hear it again. Well, maybe even this afternoon. I don't know how it works exactly. I I try to listen to myself sometimes, but 